0: hey bible study hub ladies how are y'all i'm coming at you with a bonus teaching episode uh, for this women of grace study hope if you watch it well you are watching it um that you'll be encouraged and that you'll learn more about the truth of who jesus is by listening to this and just come to fall in love a little bit more with the bible Every time you read it, every time you study it, Um, we all have favorite Bible stories. Some stories we've loved since we were a kid, like my boys love anything about Elijah because his name's Elijah, or one really likes Daniel in the lion's den or did when he was little because there were lions and, and everything. Some people just keep those all their life and I have two favorite Bible stories. One's in the New Testament. One's in the Old Testament. And I didn't come to love those till much later as I studied them, as I learned more about the cultural context, everything. That's why going deep in the Bible is so important to knowing and loving God's Word. It's great to read it and building that habit of daily reading and just Listening to it and getting it inputted into your brain is so important. But if you have the time and if you have the desire, pray that you would really deep dive into these scriptures. So let me tell you about one of my favorite stories. It's in the New Testament. Um, In this Women of Grace study, we're going to be talking about her. She doesn't even have a name and i don't know why but that has always stuck with me and i'll probably i'll probably get to that later but i love that jesus in his perfect humanity talked to an unknown woman so we are going to um deep dive into this story we're going to find it in mark 5 If you've already done the Women of Grace study when you're watching this, then you will be familiar with the passage. But first, I'm going to read it. And the Bible that I have with me that has my notes in it is kind of small. And I am over the age of 40. So my eyesight's getting a little uh, worse. And it's always been bad. So bear with me. But we're going to read 20 verses out of Mark 5. And actually, I'm just going to going to kind of skip the part about about um Jairus's daughter because you already studied them and and we'll come back to it a little bit at the end but here we go Mark 5 verses um 25 and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in a crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus Perceiving in him the power that had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Wait, who touched my garments? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, Who touched me? I'd be like, Uh, Jesus? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him, the whole truth, and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So that is out of uh, Mark chapter five. Let's do a little intro. Mark um is one of the synoptic gospels. Synoptic just means similar um Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the three synoptic gospels, and then John is tell some of the same stories, but really brings in a lot of extra stuff that the other three don't. So we kind of call them the synoptic gospels. The story about the woman with the bleeding issue is in all three of those. You can find it in Matthew 8 and uh, Luke 8, and then here in Mark 5. They each tell it just a little bit differently, just if you're... Um, talking to a person, and y'all are, y'all are at the same event, um, you might tell it just a little bit differently. But Mark, see, I learned stuff too. And I have I may have learned this in seminary. I mean, who knows? It was a long time ago. But Mark wasn't a disciple of Jesus. I knew that. But he wasn't an eyewitness of Jesus. I was studying in the Jesus, I mean, in the um, ESV study Bible. And it said he was really just a follower of Peter, and he wrote down things that Peter saw, things that Peter said, things that Peter did. So he kind of scribed out Peter's life. So as he was telling the story, um, it's kind of just doesn't have much details. Like I would have wanted to know a lot more about this story than Mark covers. And the other gospels don't really cover it either. We're kind of just left left kind of in the dark about a lot of this. We don't know a lot of specifics, but um, this this would have been kind of a nightmare situation for me, personality-wise. So first of all, I don't like huge crowds. Um, like if I go to Disney, it exhausts me. <laughs> um, if I'm, I don't mind large crowds if I don't have to talk to anybody. But if I have to be social with people, than, than large crowds. I mean, I'm a total introvert. So here was Jesus um, on his way. He had already been stopped once by Jairus and said, hey, would you please come? My daughter is sick. She's near death. Please come heal her. And Jesus was like, okay, cool. All right, we'll go. He's on his way. So he's got, a, he's got a mission. He's got a purpose. He's walking He's going somewhere and he gets interrupted. I don't like to be interrupted. (laughs) I'm telling you all the things that are probably bad for me to say. But if I'm doing something, I just want to get it done. Because if I get it done quicker, then I can go on to something else or come and do what I need to do elsewhere. But Jesus wasn't annoyed that, that he was interrupted. And I'm like, wow, Jesus loves so much better than I do. Even in my um, part of 1 Corinthians thirteen, where it says love is not easily annoyed um, or easily like just agitated, and that is a hard thing for me to do. And Jesus did not get agitated with this woman. He did not get agitated with the disciples. I mean, he asked him a question, but he wasn't he wasn't in a hurry. He wasn't trying and striving to get somewhere. So he didn't want to talk to anybody around him. So that, number one, stands out to me of how unlike Jesus I am in my love toward others. And that makes me cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, help me love like you. Help me to love like you loved while you were here. You demonstrated your perfect love for us And living out 1 Corinthians 13 and in doing so many other things. But they're all in there. And he says, I I didn't get annoyed. Neither should you. And I can only do it by walking in the Spirit. So um, he wasn't annoyed at the interruption. But, okay. So there we have Jesus. He's the main character, of course, in all of the Gospels. He's the main character. Um, Then we have this lady who we don't know much about and everything that we do know about her. hmm, Isn't really all that great. So you have an unknown woman, probably Jewish just because there's a much talk about ceremonial laws and Gentiles wouldn't have, wouldn't have really paid attention to ceremonial laws, but it doesn't say so. She's a woman. We don't know her name. We don't know her age. We don't know if she was married or single. We don't know what she looked like. We don't know any of these things. But what we do know is that she had a bleeding problem. We don't even know really where the bleeding was coming from. And I have always thought, it's basically like having your period, which it totally could be. But it doesn't say specifically. So in some way, shape, or form, there's blood flowing out of her on a continual basis. Well, in Leviticus 15, mark that down, write it down somewhere, go back and look it up. Leviticus 15, it talks about the blood clean aspect of coming and worshiping or being able to worship in a corporate setting. And there's a bunch of things in there that you can go read. But basically, if you have any blood flowing out of you from anywhere, you are unclean. Meaning, you can't go to worship. You can't corporately worship with the body of Christ. Or with, with God's people. Um, so, another thing is that if a person's bleeding, then if another person touched that person, they would be made unclean. So in all probability, she had not been touched in over 12 years. And my husband can tell you, I am a, I'm a person of physical touch. Um, I love to touch his face. I love to touch my boy's faces. Um, a friend who's very dear to me. If I haven't seen them in a while, I'll put my hand on their face So that is important to me and it's crazy if my husband's gone for three days and I haven't given a gotten a hug from him. I mean I'm like oh oh I need a hug. So I'm definitely a physical touch person and she probably hadn't been touched affectionately whether it was by a parent, a brother, a boyfriend, a husband, I don't know in over 12 years. Man I'd be way like it would totally affect my personality um and then um if you even like sat if someone's if this woman sat on your couch or in your house or at your table that would make you ceremonial ceremonially unclean so she probably hadn't been invited out to dinner or um had a family meal or been around anybody for 12 years Just how devastating that would be, whether you're an introvert or not. I mean, yeah, that would totally affect everything. And she wasn't able to worship with the corporate body of God, with God's people. She wasn't able to go and present her sacrifices and worship and be in the temple. That was not allowed. And I think even on this day that she was in a crowd of people, How brave that was for her. Because in ceremonial law, she had to announce everywhere she went that she was unclean. She had to probably either wear something that designated her as unclean or she would have to go everywhere, the grocery store. I mean, it's like I'm walking into Publix and I'm saying, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Don't touch me. Stay away. And we've dealt with a little bit with this, with COVID, um, but not to the extent that she would have had to. So I just imagine her defeated, so discouraged, broke because women didn't have a lot of money then because a lot of the financial means didn't land with women. Um, but also, she, the word says that she spent a lot on physicians. And I read about this in a commentary. And it said, I mean, some of these ways to treat this were something about ashes of an ostrich egg, incantations with boiled onions and wine. I mean, wine and onions. I mean, that sounds pretty good, but not with incantations mixed in. And um, all these other things that she would have spent her money on and they didn't work. So I would have felt defeated. I would have been lonely. I would have not been known by anybody. And I'm a person of deep conversation and deep talking and not to have that with anybody for 12 years. I mean, I can't imagine the hurt and the pain and the loneliness that this unknown woman, we don't know her name would have gone through. And She, maybe in a mix of fear, of faith, and of magic, because the culture around it would have thought that if you touch the garment, then that power comes out to you. So that's a little bit of the cultural magician incantation type stuff going on. She reached out to Jesus and she touched the hem of his garment. Now, if you're in a crowd of people and someone touches you, I mean, you don't really think much about it, do you? Always, I'm always holding on to my boy's hands walking through the parking lot. I mean, I'm, I'm staying who I want to stay close to, but other people I just don't worry about. So Jesus immediately feels the power go out from him. The power of God to heal. The power of Jesus goes out from him, his own power. He says, wait a moment. Hey, hey, who touched me? Something's happened here. Someone has gotten something from me and I want to know who it is. And some of you might have this automatic reaction that, oh, Jesus wants to chastise her or Jesus wants to make a point to tell her that, hey, you can't do that. And Jesus doesn't do that. I want to make sure and clear that you know that Jesus doesn't rebuke her. Jesus doesn't chastise her. Jesus doesn't say, "Woman, why did you make me unclean? I mean, he wasn't made unclean. He defied the laws of them by, because he was clean in and of his person because he's he's Jesus. but he couldn't be made unclean because he's Jesus, He's both God. And man, and he healed her and he wanted to affirm whatever faith that she had. He wanted to make sure that she knew it was only faith, not magic, not fear, but faith in Jesus, knowing that he had the power to heal her and make her whole. Jesus also then calls her daughter. So she has now moved from unclean, unloved, no name, unknown, no community, no worship. And he says, daughter, you have been made whole. Go in peace. Go in peace. I don't know what she did after that. I really don't. We don't hear anything more about her in the Bible. But I wonder if she ran to her parents, she ran to her friends, or if she ran to the synagogue and worshipped because she hadn't been able to do it in so long. And here's here's my turn. This is this is the good part about reading the bible in context and not just picking apart scripture. So when i first heard this scripture years ago when i was in high school probably it was taught to me like oh she she was a woman of great faith or um she can now go worship. I mean that was like the extent of it. Mostly it was about her faith that she reached out to Jesus. And then I, after a little bit longer, maybe in college, people started teaching it like, oh, Jesus can heal your diseases. Well, what do we do with the people who Jesus doesn't heal? Is Jesus not powerful enough to heal them too? Maybe, maybe there's a sickness or something that you're struggling with that God has chosen not to heal right now. Does that mean he is any less God to you because he hasn't healed your diseases? No, he is faithful, ladies. is faithful daughters of the Most High God. He loves to work His power in your life. No matter what we are going through, we know that He will work in our lives to bring about His glory. But got a little sidetracked. Here's Here's the rest of the deal. Here's how it kind of matches up to the rest of Mark. So, this is like the ham sandwich. You're, we're talking about the ham here and the bread. we got the bread. This is the bread. Jairus' daughter. Jairus' daughter. Well, Jairus came to Jesus. Hey, we're going to go to your house. heal your daughter. Okay. Oh, wait. This lady happened. Okay. Now let's go. Well, she's dead. Does that phase Jesus? She's like, no, no. She's just sleeping. Why are y'all weeping? Why are y'all crying? Little girl, get up. Jesus is like, <laughs> I've got power over life and death. Let me show you. Let me rejoice with you because now your daughter's alive. And then we, we go from there. He's like, okay, I raised, I raised a little girl from the dead. That's pretty cool. Then we get a few chapters later in John um, later. I mean, this is in the synoptics as well. But we have Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus dies And Jesus isn't there when he dies. He could have been, but he wasn't. He's like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that I'm hurting for my friend. I'm hurting because death is still happening. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to raise him from the dead. So, hey, Lazarus, come out of that grave. And then he dies again. Jairus' daughter, dead again. Sometime in her life, she died. Then we have John. I mean, the story of Lazarus and John. And he says, hey, dead, you're back to life. But you know what? Mary, Martha, John, they all died again. But then toward the end of every gospel, you get this beautiful redemption story of Jesus dying on the cross. Three days later, rising again, he's like, death is not going to defeat me. Death has no Hold on, me at all. My blood was spilt so that you would never have to face eternal death, but you could have eternal life, eternal relationship, eternal community with me. And yes, probably most of us, unless Jesus comes back for a second coming, we're all going to face death, and we do. I mean. I read Facebook sometimes and I'm just like, blah, like all the hurt and pain over death in this world. Just like, look to me. Look to me. Where the lady, the bleeding problem, her blood made her unclean. The blood of Christ makes us clean. We don't have to offer any more sacrifices to be atoned for We have been atoned by Christ and he is all sufficient for our eternal life and community with God. So where does that leave us? It leaves us saying, whatever is that barrier of of you coming to Christ, maybe you are a believer, but, but there's something that's holding back your communion with him. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's something that you think is making you unclean to God. Come to Him. Reach out. Touch His garment. Look to Christ who has already paid that full price for your redemption. Full price for for your life to be made whole. So you can be in complete, clean, whole, peaceful communion with Christ. Thanks, ladies. I hope that you've enjoyed this study in the Women of Grace. And um, if I can talk with y'all further, hit me up on a message in the Bible Study Hub, or if you have any questions about what I said, feel free to message me. I'd be glad to walk you through some Bible study things or talk with you more about this passage. Thanks.